know, years ago in Pasadena, I saw a little boy crying really hard. So I went to him and said, why are you crying? He said, because I'm not happy. Why aren't you happy? I don't know. Interesting answer. He says he didn't know why he was not happy. You know, this is interesting because of the fact during the ministerial conference we just had, the accent was put on positive attitude. You heard in the sermonette of the positive attitude. Mr. Ames read Mr. Mary's letter, positive attitude. So my question is, are you, are you positive? That little boy didn't know why he was crying. Oftentimes we are not positive and we don't know why. It's really. Because of the fact, you see, we expect from life sometimes that life cannot give us or perhaps it's not good for us. Time and again in my life, in my ministry, I've seen people very in a very dire conditions. But you know, they were very positive. They were very happy in, in a sense because they appreciated what they had. One of the reasons why we are not positive is because we don't appreciate what we have. We want more. Or we want something different. To me it's interesting because of the fact when you look around, really, especially in this country, most of us have more than we should have or we deserve to have. Now let me ask you this question. When you came back from the feast, wherever you went, and you saw perhaps other countries, and you saw how much we have in these countries, what right do you have not to be thankful to God? It's true. Another reason, as you see, for not being positive is, positive is not, it is because we don't appreciate what you have. We're not grateful for what we have. I would like to just see some of our people here to just have a chance to see how some other people in poor countries live. And see, compared to us, how positive they are. Because they don't complain as much. Because they don't expect as much. Because they don't, they don't want as much. Have you ever noticed the more you have, the more you would like to have? And have you ever noticed that when you really want to have and after you have it, maybe it wasn't that worth, that much worth? Now, during the conference, I was very impressed by Mr. Medit's exhortation of being, of meditating. That to me is a very important word because of the fact, until recently, I did not pay that much attention about meditation. I'm not talking about yoga. I'm talking about when you read the Bible, do we read the Bible or do you meditate as you read the Bible? Most of us, we don't really meditate when we read the Bible. We just read. 
And that's why I should say that what we read, we don't quite understand, and we miss the point, really. So I ask you the question, do you really love life, your life? Are you happy that little boy wasn't? And he just didn't know exactly why he wasn't. Let me ask you the question. Do you know why you are not happy if you are not? Or not positive? I, I know it might give me lots of reasons. Some of us are sick. Some of us are poor. Some of us are, shall I say, other reasons what mentioned. So we can give many, many reasons for not being positive. But on the other hand, let me also ask you, do you also have reasons to be positive, to appreciate what you have? You see, brethren, I repeat again, most of us don't really appreciate what we have. We want something different, something more. And when you get that something more, something different, you realize it wasn't what you wanted. You're still not happy. So my question today is, how positive are you? In the things you do, in the things you prepare, in the things you produce in life. If you read books, and we should, you will find that everyone who has succeeded in life has a positive attitude. You have to fight against something. It's easy to just have it on a silver platter. You know, Mr. Armstrong used to say in the college that the reason for the college was to give you enough understanding and not always on a silver platter. And we did get on a silver platter sometimes. I wish you would make an effort to understand or study to really grasp what the Bible says rather than just ask someone what it says and then Take it for granted. So be positive in every, everything you do. There are many, many ways of being positive, and I would like to mention some of them. The first rule is stop complaining. Thank you. Someone's loving good. That's positive. And you see, that's what it is. He, just like that little boy, he complains and doesn't know exactly why. Sure, he has many, many reasons, but those reasons are not exactly why he's not happy. And if you study your own life, you will find that, that most of the time, the things that make you unhappy, or negative, let's say, are the things because you're complaining. I remember, I have to make a detour, you know, I and detours are synonymous with, I make detours all the time. But I remember I was a blind member of the church in Paris. When you look at him, you could not see because his eyes were okay. And he was not blind, born. He was in the war before he came to the church. And he lost his sight. Looking at him, you would never know he was complaining. He never did. Every time you heard him, he was very joyful. So unless you knew he was blind, you would never know 
he was not seeing. One day I remember so well, we just went after the church services to mountain climbing. He came with us, of course we helped him. And there was a beautiful prairies of flowers. And I said to myself, you know, I wish you could see. I guess he almost heard my wishes. He said, you know, he says, you people see the beautiful flowers. I can smell them. There, see, there it is. This is what I mean being positive. And if every one of us look at life upon life with this attitude, you'll be positive and you will stop complaining. Look at the lives of the, lives, lives of the apostles, especially Paul. Paul was very positive. You know why? All through his sufferings, he did not complain. All through his sufferings, he's the only disciple, or the apostle, if you want to, who spoke about being joyful more than the others, even put together. He wrote more about joy. He wrote more about positive attitudes. Why? How? Let me start with Romans chapter 8. You have seen this, but when you read it again, try to meditate. Chapter 8, verse 31. He said, what shall we say? I'll be reading a few passages here and there. He says, what shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? There it is. I stop. See, this to me, it's meditation now. Reading this is not, not good. It doesn't mean anything. But if you have problems, if you are complaining, quote, unquote, tell yourself, if God is for me, who can be against me? There is a time of meditation, of thinking, and automatically if you mean and you understand, you should stop being negative. He says, who did not, verse 32, Romans 8, spare his own son, again, stop. See, this is, this is Bible study. How come God, who could have had different ways of salvation, let's say. He did not despair his own son, but he delivered him to for us. And so how shall, how shall he not, uh, with, uh, and how shall he not with him also freely with Christ give us all things? You see, those are the things. That's the way to study the Bible. So when you have a big problem, whether you're sick, whatever it is, come back to what Christ tells us. If God gave His Son a sacrifice, how much more you should be thankful for and just look forward to. Verse 33, Romans 8, says, Who should bring a charge against God's elect? Now that's, again, see, a lot of people in the world, they don't know what this means. We who are nothing, we are God's elect. We who have no power, we are, we are God's servants. Now, those are the things which make you positive. Make you humble at the same time because you cannot do it, I cannot do it, no one can do it. It's through God's help, God's spirit, we can be able to do what he wants us to do. Therefore, you should be, I should be, 
at all times thankful to God. At the same time humble because of the fact we're not doing it, He's doing it. So those are, those are the, the ways of going through the road that, that leads to a positive attitude. By the way, positive and happy and blessed are synonymous. Okay. God's elect, if it is God's, if it is God who justifies. You know, sometimes, oftentimes, I should say, we don't appreciate God's calling. If you're complaining because you're sick, you're poor, I don't know, you're single, whatever it is, then you don't understand the, the purpose for God's calling. God called you for a purpose, for a mission. That's what we are here for. That alone should give us a positive attitude and be thankful. We just came back from the feast. We all had a wonderful time, as you heard. And that made us very happy. Some of us are back to our routine because of the fact we see the world around us and the world isn't what we expected to have, let's say, at the feast. And we just find again our routine world, life. Okay? Why don't you change the whole thing around? Take the feast with you every day. And have the sermons you heard or the good attitude of being with brethren, and live with it. You will have plenty to be sad around you if you see what's happening. You see, brethren, shift your eyes. Shift your mind. To be positive is to take your eyes away from the misery of the world and put on God's kingdom. That's what the king, what the feast was about. And Paul writes, verse 34 again, this time, Who is he who condemns us if Christ is with us? Christ died, he says, furthermore, it's also risen, so there's hope for us. And he makes intercession for us. How could you be negative when you see that Christ, the Creator, makes intercession for you? You know, that's why I say we don't read them. We don't study the Bible, we read. If you read those things, those are empty words in a way. But if you study, meditate, they become life. And that makes you automatically more positive. And then verse 38, which I'm sure you know, but again, look at the words. Paul says, for I am not, I think, not, I believe, I'm persuaded. It's more than just be sure. I'm persuaded to say that neither death and, you know, this life, or whatever it is, can separate you from God. See, this is what I mean. This is what makes you positive, brethren. Because Christ has shown us the way to get close to God, to show us how to be always positive and be happy. You know, it's interesting because Christ says, I leave you by peace. How could you have peace if you're not positive? He said, I give you my joy. Christ suffered more than anyone else, and yet he was a man of joy. See, this is the way we have to go. This is, those are the things we have to do. This is the direction we should take, and we don't. And somehow, more, the more we are blessed, blessed the, the less we are perhaps inclined to have that type of an attitude. Uh, 
in uh, nothing in this world, brethren, it's permanent. Nothing in this world is everlasting. Have that in mind, whatever your problems. To be positive means that what you are encountering today, or what you're seeing today, or what your sufferings are today, they are only, shall I say, temporary. Tomorrow they will change. And that's the beauty in God's plan. You see, when you think of God, His plan is permanent. Our life here on earth is temporary. That's another way of being positive. Whatever your condition, however sad it might be, it may change tomorrow. So once you think of it that way, brethren, it will give you the uplift, the positive attitude you can think of. God's promises are everlasting. Your problems are only temporary. Meditate. That, that, that's the secret. See, we all have problems you will always have until the end. In fact, some of these problems or challenges are good for us. But when you look at them from a, from a positive attitude, and you can still be happy. That little boy didn't know why he was not happy. And oftentimes, believe it or not, we don't know also why we are not happy because we don't quite see the picture, the true picture, as we have it here in the Bible. Just remember, the world we live in is temporary. Whatever your problems are temporary. Whatever your sufferings are temporary. So this is a positive way of looking at it. We don't always do it because we don't really think to God for help. Another way of being positive is being generous. Giving what you can give. And every one of us can give more than we actually do give. You may not think you have talents, you do. Because God has called us, every one of us, to serve. If He called us to serve, we have a way of helping. And we have a way of helping by giving the best we can give. That's what Christ said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It's one of the most beautiful verses and hidden in the Acts. It's the only place, yet it is all around the Bible. Christ said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Here's a way of being positive. Try it. Try to give something to someone if within your means, not necessarily material, but something that would, could help the person to come out of his sad situation. I've told you stories of people before, widows in the church. They used to pray so much and they were some of the students went to them. They, were, they came back encouraged, uplifted because of the fact the persons, the widows, let's say, who were sick, they encouraged them. They showed the students, look, you have so much to offer. You have so much to give. Some of us, we can't do much, but you can't do more. You see, if you have that type of an attitude, brethren, and we should more often, then the church would be much stronger. I saw in France our church members, and some of them were in a dire condition. But when we were all together as a group, they were much happier because of the fact they had this sense of being togetherness. 
And that helps a lot. If you are with someone, someone positive, it inspires you. If you're looking for a friend, I'm sure you don't go someone who is despondent or sad or complaining always. I've got some proverbs over here, but I won't cite them now. But you see, look, you, look to, you look to company for someone who is inspiring. That he can give you. Well, inversely, why can't you be that person? Why can't you be someone that people will come to you because it's, it's nice to be with you? Because you inspire them, because you give them the strength that they need. Brother, there's nothing like being with someone, get close to him, and if need be, let's say, hold his hand or her hand with the kind words. Try it sometime. See, because of the fact, brother, we don't know how much it means to a person who is suffering. Time and again in the past, or in present, when I talk to someone who is sick and, you know, anoint him or her, I just hold her, hold her hand. I just say a few words. And in time I've heard saying, you know, when you touch my hand, it means it meant so much to me. This is what I'm talking about. And if we all understood what people need in time of difficulty, then we understand what it means who Christ, let's say, for us as his, his elect, to imitate his, his example. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it, it, there are a few words you can see, it shows what it means as far as God is concerned, our relationship with him. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8. Blessed is the man I repeat, the word blessed here in the English means happy. Happy is the man. And indirectly, positive is the man. Blessed is the man, happy is the man who trusts in the Lord. There again, stop, trust. What do, you mean, what do you mean by trust? You see, those are not words, those are real truths. If you trust God, you don't complain. If you trust God, you know that tomorrow... It's going to be a better day if you're suffering now. This is what I mean by Christian attitude. Something which the disciples showed us and something which we don't always practice. Uh, so blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Look at this. See, brethren, this is again, I, I, I'm sorry to repeat again, this is how to study the Bible. If you're sad, if you're complaining, is really your hope is the Lord? Blessed is the man whose hope is the Lord. Verse 8, Jeremiah 17. For he shall be like a tree planted in the wild by the waters, and you know these are those words, which spreads out the roots by the river, Will not fear when heat comes and so forth. I mean, those are all beautiful words. You can, but read them. Study them. Therefore, you see, he, Paul, uh, Jeremiah here just comparing physical things and showing how to be thankful to God, how to appreciate everything. As I said, and I've met time, I've talked to time and again to people, they said, look, I've read the Bible. 
I say, that's your trouble. Don't read the Bible. Study it. Meditate. Take one word, two words, three words, or sentences. Meditate. As I said, if the Lord is your hope, and try to apply to your circumstances. Try to apply to your difficulties. Try to apply to your needs. Christ is your hope. And Christ can do all things. See, brethren, brethren, this is what I mean by saying that we are not close to God. That's why we sometimes have the tendency of being negative. When you are selfish, when you complain, you close the door to happiness. That's right. You just prevent yourself from being happy. Because you can always find a reason not to be happy or why to complain. But why don't you just replace those thoughts by finding reasons why to be positive, why to be happy. If I know that Christ wants me to be saved, what right do I have to be negative? See, those brethren, this is not, you'll be surprised if you start studying some of the philosophers in the world, which I have some of them, and Sure, they don't know God's, God's word. They don't understand God's ways, nor God's plan. But they do know how to really appreciate things or how to be positive, how to work hard. Working hard is another way of being positive. Because if you're working hard, you don't have time to complain. You don't have time or even reason, let's say, to just fail because of the fact your mind is so much in what you're doing and you know that what you're doing is make, makes you happy. Okay. Uh, give it a try. Those are not words. Give it a try what I'm saying here. God is with you. God will always help you if you follow his directions. In many, many ways... We have doubts. You know why we have doubts? See, all, so far all I've read in from the Bible, it's positive. Now how come that we have negative thoughts? Yes, Satan is part of it, I know, but Satan is not all. We allow him to put doubts in our minds. One of the worst enemies we have is doubts. Doubts spread by Satan if you want to, also by us looking around, seeing others who fail, we, we get discouraged. Look at those who have succeeded. Look at those who can do something. There are so many people in the world who had nothing to succeed yet made a success. Maybe in their own ways, material ways, I don't care what it is. If you may set your mind, if you want to succeed, Especially if we have God's help, God's Holy Spirit, we can always succeed. Doubts are spread by Satan. Satan lost from the very beginning. And Satan will do anything he can to make you lose, to make you get discouraged, to make you give up. Don't you let him do that. Throughout the Bible, again, you can see, and also in this world, Every time there is a failure, it's because we do what Satan wants us to do. Satan wants us to get discouraged. 
That's his goal because he wants to destroy us. Don't let him. In Hebrews chapter 13, look at how they get a positive attitude. Hebrews 13 verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. That's what we are here. Here's a group of elect. God has called us to work together. If we all work together hand in hand, encourage each other, then you will see how stronger the church will be. That's what we did during the conference we just finished. That's what we had at the feast, where we should continue that attitude. Coming back from the feast doesn't mean to fall back to our negative atmosphere again. On the contrary. Coming back from the feast with encouragement, then we know that we should continue our brotherly love. It says, do not forget, verse 2, Hebrews 13, don't forget to entertain strangers. This, you know, this sentence is, is sort of intriguing. I've, I've cases, seen cases like this. This is strange because it says, without your knowing unwittingly, you may entertain angels. It just happens. I won't go into details. And we have seen angels like that. It, whatever the details. But I know. Do something good to someone. And you will see that you might perhaps be in presence of an angel. And you will get to see the benefit of it. But anyway, I just would like to continue because no sense of giving you my personal examples. But I've seen this. He says, remember, he says, the prisoners, as if uh, they're chained with them, that's Paul writing it. He says, those who are mistreated, since he says you yourself are in the body also. And then he ends verse uh, 6. So he said, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Stop here. There again. If you mean this, if you really understand this, if you mean what you say, the more the Lord is my helper, you cannot be negative. You cannot lose faith. You cannot say, oh, I give up. You can't, because the Lord is your helper. The question is, do you mean it? Because I will not fear what can man do to me. This is also in the Psalms, as you know. So you see, there it is. When you are in, a, in this tendency of despondency, go back to the Bible and study it and meditate upon it. And just say, does this apply to me? It does. Those are not empty words, brethren. God doesn't lie. And God wants us to be strong and God, us to, God wants us to succeed. Another, perhaps encouraging words, which will eliminate doubts. I repeat, doubts are, are worse than enemies. It comes, if you want to, from Satan. They may also come from your personal despondency. Maybe you're sick, whatever it is. doesn't matter. Yes, you're sick, it hurts. Yes, you're sick, and it is very sad. But on the other hand, remember, the Lord is your helper. The Lord is with you. The Lord gives you the strength you need. You're here matching two aspects, positive and negative. 
If you put the accent on the positive, some of your sufferings will diminish. Psalms chapter 1. We, we, we sing this. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1. Blessed, happy, positive, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. What do you mean ungodly? Those who don't believe in God, those who don't do what God says, who stands in the path of sinners, nor sits says in the uh, seat of the scornful. But, but look at rest. He shall be like a tree. See, his delight is in the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Have you ever take, taken the Bible and the, God's commandments with this in mind? Your delight is in the law of God. And stop and think and meditate. So those are the things that will take you away from your troubles. It will put you on the right track. It's not easy, I know. I'm just like you. But the effort. God wants us to make an effort. To be positive requires to be an effort. Because you're living in a negative world. So you see, brethren, whatever the condition, if you eyes are on God and you know that God is your helper he, he compares verse 3 he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water it says that brings forth its fruit and it says and yes it is here sort of a, a way of physical way of describing but actually this is what happens to us whose leaf should not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Another, see, here I, I underline that here's a positive promise. Whatever, he says, he's not saying some of the things. Whatever you do shall prosper. See, the Bible doesn't lie. The whatever is not whatever as far as we consider because we have a doubtful attitude. Because we don't trust what God says. Someone says, well, how come that some of us are healed, some of us are not? Well, there are many reasons. But oftentimes we doubt, we let doubt, and we look around, we take examples of other people. I know it's my case. If someone is not, let's say, healed of a certain ailment, well, that puts doubts in my mind. And we have to have this attitude link, saying, look, if God has made a promise... I'll, I'll trust it. It's hard because we are in a, in a negative world. But we should try. We should try harder because God is with us. God, is, God will give us the help we need. In every time, Satan will be after us. In every time, Satan will put some doubts in our minds. This never fails. But if you know God, if you study the Bible, we are the way I'm saying here, if you have this positive attitude, then you can be a conqueror. Uh, another way of being positive is don't judge. And that's tendency of judging or complaining. Judging is not going to help you to, help you to be positive. What do you gain? Let God be the judge. So we look at each other from a human point of view. The human ways are not profitable. 
The human ways are wrong. We don't know what really kindness is unless God shows us what kindness is. We don't know what justice is unless we see in the Bible what justice is. See, brethren, that's why we have to study the Bible. Man look by the sight, what we see. God looks or judges upon the heart. You and I, if we were closer to God, we will be less critical, less seeing fault. We all have faults. Don't look at someone and see the faults. See the qualities. And underline the qualities. And show, encourage, say, you can do it. And show the qualities they have or you have or anyone has and bring that out and work with it. Every one of us in this room, I'm sure, has something you can give to someone else to make life easy for someone. I'm not talking about material things necessarily. I'm talking about something that you can give. A smile. Encouraging word. Or, if need be, let's say, also really just the help, physical help or tangible help they need. Oftentimes you'll be surprised. The help you give with your words, with your presence, are much more than you think. This again, see, people in the world practice this. What is psychology? Let's say. I won't go into detail. They try to encourage you. They try to show you what you can do. Concentrate on the things you can do and not you cannot do. That again, that again will make us very, very positive. When you are critical, I repeat, you are, you are missing out. In the Church of God, here I do, in the ministry, especially headquarters here, we do get letters. People who criticize, they criticize, they criticize because they hear something. They don't know the details. They don't know why decisions are made, what grounds, but they criticize. It's easy. It's very easy to criticize. But if you were, let's say, in the shoes of the person who has made the decision, who is in charge, then perhaps you might have a different attitude. If you are a positive person, you will have a different attitude. Otherwise, you will be, again, doubting. Search, search the Bible for examples of people who are positive, or people who have really succeeded, for instance, look at Moses. I'll come to it in a moment. But if Moses were negative, how could he lead millions of uh, hard-headed Israelites out of Egypt? It is. There's no way you can lead such a crowd unless, first of all, you trust God and you're humble because you know that you're not doing it, it's God's doing it. And then, you just use God's power to go forward. Circumstances, brethren, will change. Circumstances will be used by you or by me, either God's way or Satan's way. You take the Satan words, we will be always critical, always seeing something wrong. Don't look at wrong things. Don't look at things with the way God sees. If it's wrong, change it. But don't let Satan deceive you 
or just uh, make you turn, let's say, away from God by saying, well, it is unjust. If you're God's elect, and you are, if you trust God, and you should, all of us should, then trust God. Know that God is aware of your problems. God is aware of your sicknesses, or whatever. And God is ready, willing to help if you open the door. You don't realize, but most of the time we close the door. We close the door before God's blessings. I know I do. I'm sure you do. So don't let Satan deceive you by the thoughts he puts in your mind. You know, I've seen people say in my ministry, this is too much. I can never, I cannot take it. I know. I know what they mean. Yet that's a lie. Yet that is not biblically speaking a true statement. We have seen, we know it, First Corinthians chapter 10. Now again, I said, if you really believe that God means what he says, and he does, then look at this example here. And how could you say this is too much? We do. Yet, if we understand, if we meditate, when you say this is too much, it's a lie. It's Satan's way of acting. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation, no means no, has overtaken you except such as common to man. Therefore, when you have a problem, don't think it's your own problem. It's also someone else's. Common to man, but God is faithful. There goes again that positive attitude. God is faithful. Who will not allow you, look at that positive attitude, He will not allow you to be tempted or tried beyond what you are able. Either you believe this, in which case you are positive, or you don't, in which case you are following Satan's discouragement or discouraging attitude. That's that uh, you're able, but with every temptation, every trial, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, this alone, that one sentence alone, it makes you liar if you say, I cannot take it anymore. I know, we have that tendency, but it says God will give you the strength that you will be able to bear everything. That's, that's what makes you positive. Look at David's example. David was a man of courage, just like Moses. Well, David, he was tried, tempted. Of course, he committed many, many faults. But you know, one of the most interesting attitudes of David was he did not blame others for his mistakes. That I can check it. He recognizes his fault. He asks God's forgiveness. But he did not blame others. That's another way of being negative. Don't blame others for your difficulties. Don't blame others because you have not succeeded. If anyone, blame yourselves. Ask God, look, what am I, what am I doing? Why am I, am I not succeeding? You see, this makes you in a positive attitude. If David did not have that attitude, God would not have called him. David's heart was 
after God's own heart, God, God, God's own heart, you see. Therefore, you see, brethren, when you are in difficulty, and all of us are at times, when you do have problems, with problems which at times seem to be endless, yet they are never endless because this is all temporary, turn to God and take those very words I'm t- telling you here, showing you that when God says something, He means it. If God says He will give us the strength to bear, He means it. From that moment on, you just reject everything which is satanically negative. Psalm chapter 31, uh, verse 15. David writes, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of the enemies, of my enemies, and from those who persecute me. You will have always Satan as a persecutor. But he says, verse 16, Make your face shine upon your servant. Do you, can you pray this way? If you do, can you mean it? Because God loves you as much as he loved David. But make an effort to be like David. Save me uh, for your mercy's sake. What is the mercy's sake? God calls you to be in his kingdom. That's his mercy. God called you because he wants you to be part of the family. So, because of that, he says, save me. Do not let me, verse 17, be shamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Another secret, calling upon God. How often you can say that you can call upon God and really call on Him in the right way, not the selfish way, but in a, in a way that God will really help you that you will understand. I remember a case of a, there was a person again back in Pasadena. We had so many chances over there to have interesting incidents. There was a man, a student, and nothing for him worked out all right. He complained all the time. He could not find a girl to get to marry. He could not uh, find a job later on because he did not have enough talents. And others were much more blessed than he was. And he was not as handsome as others were. I said to myself, can't you just find something good to say? (laughs) No, really. Sometimes we act that way. Try to find things that are nice about you in the right way and emphasize on it. Otherwise, if you only see the the bad and so forth, you're you're losing out. Needless to say that the student never succeeded. I don't know what happened to him. Be humble, be grateful, and also, above all things, make an effort to deserve, let's say, to be called to be called as one of God's children. How do you pray? Are you positive in your prayers? Do you really show God that you appreciate what you have? You appreciate the things you can learn? You appreciate your friends in the church? You appreciate that you have someone in the church who understands you? Or perhaps you can help. This is prayer. See, prayer is not only just studying the Bible, that's part of it, 
but also doing something good from the biblical point of view. Look what Christ said, Matthew 6, verse 7. When you pray, he says, do not use vain repetitions. And some of us do. Prayer is a proof of thankfulness, of gratitude. So don't just multiply words. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. It's not a question of how long you pray. It's, it's a question of how well you pray. How well you pray means how close you are, how less in your prayers you ask, and how much more you appreciate. Prayer is actually thanking, appreciation, showing appreciation, not asking. God knows your needs. Oftentimes you ask God, or I ask God things which are not necessary. If we ask God, first of all, give us wisdom to know how to thank Him for what we have, we have been, we'll be more, 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 more blessed. Therefore, he says, verse uh, 8, Matthew 6, Therefore, he says, do not be like them, for your Father knows. I'm just underlining my Bible, the word knows. Bible, the Father knows the things you have need of. God knows. The question is, do we? Oftentimes we ask God, we don't know what you're asking for. So if you just trust God, know that God knows the things you need, He will help you understand and give you what you need. Uh, notice here, so God knows the things you need before you ask Him, before you tell Him. That's interesting. I remember time and again, Mr. Armstrong's conference sessions we had, you know, say, say, look, God knows our needs. At the, the college there, we have a small, had a small college to start with. He says, I ask God, show me what I can do to know your will and work accordingly. That's an interesting statement. Ask God to know his will and work accordingly. That puts you on the right happy path of success. That will make you to be positive. See, those are the things, small things maybe that uh, we don't realize. A moment ago I told you about Moses. Study the life of Moses because of the fact when you really read about the things he did, the way he succeeded, you find out that in Moses' life he not only trusted God, but first of all, before he came to the point of trusting God, he argued with God. He did not want to be called. He did not want to be given the job because he knew that he could not do the job. He, could, he said, how can I, you know, convince the people? What was God's argument? In God, in, in, the, in the proper way, in the simple way, showed Moses, look, I will be with you. I will do it. You will just follow me. Because read Exodus, as you know, Moses had all kinds of, shall I say, arguments. But God said, no, uh He had an answer for every time Moses said no. But he showed Moses that, look, I'll be your mouth. I will help you. 
What was Moses' greatest secret? With God's help, of course. He was humble. Humble is the word which is used in the Bible. Some Bibles translate differently. Humility. Through that humility, he became very powerful. He became able to, he was able to just bring the help. Look, after all the miracles, ten miracles, people still that were doubting. Moses didn't. Moses stood firm. He was positive. People were negative. Look, because Moses saw ten miracles and he knew that God can do all things. People saw the same ten miracles, they were negative. Look, Exodus chapter uh, 14. When the people came out of Egypt, they were scared. What was the first sentence Moses told them? Exodus, Exodus 14, verse 13. He said, do not be afraid. That's positive. Stand still. That's positive. See the salvation of the Lord. That's positive. See, this is the way to look at it. Yes, Moses saw the Pharaoh's army. People got discouraged. Moses did not because he was not afraid. He saw the salvation of the Lord. And then he says, Stand still. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You don't. I don't. The Lord does. The Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace. Again, another sentence I underline. Holding peace is not complaining. Holding peace is not asking for. Holding peace is not being afraid. Hold peace. See, that's the way you want to really study the Bible. Moses was able to tell people how to hold peace because he knew how to hold peace himself. Satan will try to deceive you in everything, everything he possibly can. Don't let him. Throughout the Bible you have examples of the way Satan does deceive. Now look at the example, for instance, your prayers and Satan's prayers, if I can say Satan's prayers. You pray to God, you ask God something, and God will believe you, but he won't believe Satan. You know what? If Satan accuses you, and he does, God will trust you, believe you more than he will believe Satan. And Satan knows that. Therefore, Satan will do everything he can to make you be in a wrong attitude, negative attitude, so that he can tell God, look God, these people, and we are, blaming each other, each other, doing things which are not always Christian. Look what John writes about Satan's acts, acting. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, verse 9. Now this is Satan's doing it. See, it's true, it, I know it's there, but because Satan will do everything to deceive me, or accuse, make me accuse others, is not the reason for me to be negative. I can reject Satan's intervention in my life. He says, So the great dragon, Revelation 12.9, was cast out, serpent of old, called the devil, who deceives the whole world. We know it, look at around. We don't have to doubt this thing. He was cast on the earth, and his, and his demons too, but what does Satan do? 
Let's continue. He accuses brethren. So he, 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 he makes it so that we, God's people, will be accusing each other. But don't let that happen. We only can provoke each other and Satan can use it as an excuse to create discord in the church. I've seen it. I work in the CAD, I know. In words, people hear something, they blame the church, Mr. Meredith, the ministry, and automatically it's a negative attitude. If you don't know reasons why certain things are said or done, why don't you just keep quiet? Let God handle it. God can do it, that's his church. And if you let God handle without your criticizing or rebelling, then you will have peace or hold your peace. Then you will have a positive attitude. See, brethren, a positive attitude does not mean that you have to say something or change something. As Moses said, hold peace. Oftentimes, by just keeping your tongue silent, you will have a positive attitude. In Isaiah chapter 55, another interesting exhortation, Isaiah 55 verse 6, Seek the Lord. Now look at this. That's fine. We all do it. But look, look what comes afterwards. While he may be found. What does it mean? What does it mean while he may be found? Is there any time God cannot be found? No, and yes. God is always there. But you see, if you don't do your share, then the time will come, and you know it is true, that governments, authorities over us, they will not allow us to do, to practice our religion. Therefore, in a way, God will not be found. Long ago, I used to preached this in France. And I used to say, look, the day will come new people won't have a minister here. It happened. And we, we just about lost every minister we had. So there, we know it's, you know, there was a famine. And that's what it means. There will, there will be the that you will not find God anymore because there will be famine. Call upon him while he is near. He's always near, but again... By the circumstances, you may not be able to see God around you because there would be so much misery. But then I was in Europe when I saw the Hitler's carnality. Go and see some of the tragic leftovers of the hostages, of the carnality. <laughs> you, can't, you can't believe it. Well, when you see that thing, you say, well, where is God? Where is God? Well, God is always there. It wasn't God's idea, God's decision, God's will. It was Satan's pushing men to be that law, that best, that cruel, I should say. Verse, let's, uh, verse 7, Isaiah 55. Now, this is the answer. In a world when we need God, in a world where there will be Hitler's or others, let's say, or wars, Here's the way to go and be positive. Isaiah 55, 
7. Let the wicked forsake his way. Wicked are those who don't do what God says, obey God, or break his laws. The unrighteous man his thoughts. Interesting. Not only you have to stop being in your acts, but also in your thoughts. Yes, we have to stop thinking wrong thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And this is especially for us because it's a return to the Lord. We know it, we know it. Always remember that we have to get close to God and do what he says while it's still time. And he will have mercy on him. Another promise, God will mercy on you every time you repent. To our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Every time you read the Bible, when you finish your study, tell yourself, do I really understand? Am I now more positive than I was before I started my study? That's something to think about. Can you say that every time you have studied the Bible, today, yesterday, tomorrow, you are a little bit more positive, or more, more permanently positive? I, I, I guess I quoted some time ago Abraham's attitude. When God called Abraham and God told Abraham, take your son and sacrifice him, he didn't argue. He knew it was wrong because God would not kill anyone, especially one son, but he trusted God. If God says something, if it's God, be sure it's God, then do it. If you don't understand, don't be discouraged. I've seen people say, well, I don't know why. Forget it. If God says something, you don't have to understand. God will give you understanding, but first you obey. Obedience comes first. That will make you positive. If you wait for understanding, maybe you would never, never get the chance. All through Bible again, look at Abraham. He obeyed without understanding. The only Christ ministry, after Christ died, Satan did not lose any time to bring in people's disciples' minds some doubts. And Thomas was a victim of that. Remember again, Christ went, he came, he says, peace. Thomas, as you know, did not believe that. And uh, when Christ came to him, that's another interesting passage of the Bible here. Uh, Thomas was as human as the other disciples. So Thomas did not quite understand and did not believe. So he could not really understand. He said, no, I says, I don't, verse 25. He says, no, I have to see Christ. I have to put my hands in his uh, uh, sides and so forth. Nails, I'm just quoting that. He says, he, he can't see it unless he believes. He cannot believe unless he sees it. What was Christ's answer? John 20, verse 26. So, again... Christ came, and then what was the first word? Peace. Peace to you. Peace is positive. Every time you do have difficulties, stress the peace aspect of it. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, verse 27, reach your finger and look my hands. Reach your hands here. Put it to my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Another interesting statement. Another positive statement. 
See, if you are believing, you're positive. If you're unbelieving, you're negative. But after that sentence, I don't know if you realize it, verse 28 is a key verse. Because disciples didn't, didn't quite understand that Christ was God. They didn't. They believed somewhat, but they didn't. But here, for the first time in the Bible, in the New Testament, you'll find one of the disciples addressed to Christ as Christ, as the Lord. Look, Thomas said, verse 28, Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. That's the first time you will find it in the New Testament that one of the disciples will look at Christ and recognize him, saying, My Lord and my God. See, he, he changed his attitude. He became a believer. He became a positive person. Okay, before almost, there's so much more I can say here, but before coming to a close, look at the disciples' lives. Every disciple suffered. Every disciple had a problem. And every disciple, practically, except John, gave his life for, for Christ. When you, or I, when look to Christ, and believe what he writes, and do what he says, then we can be technically, automatically, on a positive attitude. You know, so I may skip this because of lack of time. Let's uh, take to, come back to Philippians chapter 8, chapter 4. Now, Mr. Ames knows that this is my favorite verse because to me, I, I can find solace or comfort or courage whenever, whenever I'm down and I might have doubts, let's say, which I don't often, but suppose this comes from, from Satan, of course. Satan will do everything he can to put doubts in our minds. Philippians chapter 4. It's written for, from a disciple who was the closest, very close to God, who wrote 14 disciples. Look what he says. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, he says, brethren, whatever things are true, true from God's point of view, whatever things are noble, noble from God's point of view. And study what these words are. Whatever things are just, just from God's point of view, not yours. Whatever things are pure, Again, from God's point of view. Whatever things are lovely, again, from God's point of view. It's all positive. There's nothing here which will give, open the door for doubts. Whatever things are of good, report. That's interesting. Again, from God's point of view. If there's any virtue, any, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What what it take comes again? There's power, you see. Those are powerful words, brethren. And all of us in God's church today, we should be yet closer to God. So, what I can say, trust God. When God says that in James, He says, "Look, seek wisdom. Know that God will give you the wisdom." When God says that, count it all blessing in James. Believe it. 
it is not easy to count all the trials as blessings, but God will help you. God will help you understand and give you the courage. In Psalm chapter 103, for before closing, Psalms 103. I don't care what our conditions are or what conditions we're in. Yours, mine. Look at the way David expresses himself. Psalm 105. Bless the Lord. In other words, give him thanks. To be thankful. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. In other words, be thankful to God. Bless the Lord, says, oh, my soul, and forget not his benefits, his blessings. Who forgives all your iniquities. If we repent. Who heals all your diseases. Again, I know we have sometimes difficulties understanding because we are living in a world of doubt, the doubtful world. But God will do it. God will do it if we do our share. Who redeems your life from, from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness. And so forth. So forth. Okay, brethren, then what do I say? Where are we now? Well, from where we started. That little boy didn't know why he was complaining. Why he was not happy. Well, he, there was tea not working with him, but he, he could not put his finger on it. Likewise, you and I, we sometimes are not positive or happy because we don't know exactly what we want. But God knows. Tell God in your prayers, look God, you know what I need to be positive. We, we saw here in the Bible what he means. But when you really study God's words, when you really believe what I just read, and there are so many more verses, when you really see how positive God's attitude is toward us. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to make the, to reach the goal. And I, I ask you, what right do you have not to be positive or not to be happy in God's church?